I'm going to ask you to remain standing as you're halfway there on your way down. Remain standing this morning with me. Turn your Bibles in your Bibles to John chapter 14. The last of the seven I am sayings of Jesus. Really the last one's in chapter 15, but that's where we started a couple of months ago. So language Jesus uses to identify himself, who he is, why he has come, his journey to the cross, that 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 depth of humiliation central to his glorification, that journey is coming to an end. And so he is preparing his disciples uh, for this time. He's not always going to be with them. It won't be long. Uh, But he will always be with them um, by his Spirit, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's a promise he makes in John chapter 14. Uh, It's a comfort and help to his disciples who are going to face a lot of Opposition. Feel very much alone the days ahead. So I'm actually going to start in 1336, a little bit of context, and go through 14, verse 7, where these words of hope really begin. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the eternal word of our God. Let's pray together. Our great God and King, we do praise you for your word. This is your very heart transcribed to us. Lord, this is the word of our Savior. We pray, Lord, that you would work that word to perform it now, that you would work it into our hearts and our minds, that you would block out all that which is unhelpful or untrue. You would speak your truth to us. Lord, make us attentive now. Speak faithfully through your servant and help us. Guide us, Holy Spirit, that we might understand and apply this word you have given now and in the days ahead. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are some woods behind my parents' house and that used to be full of all kinds of trees and briar bushes and very tall grass. And... When there would be a big snowfall, it was so thick, you could hardly see through the woods. And so that is nothing but an invitation for two young boys to go exploring. And so my brother and I would take these snowsuits, old snowsuits, from my parents. Now for those of you who have no idea what kind of attire that is, it is it's a snow pant and a jacket, but it's all one piece. And so you step into it and you put one in arm and you just zip the whole thing up. And so you look like the you know, the Michelin man in black, kind of, as you're walking around in a snowsuit. 
And so we went to the backwoods uh, one afternoon, and we, we began crawling and making our way just on our bellies, making our own snow tunnels. And we could literally disappear uh, in these backwoods. Uh, and I can remember one particular afternoon that as I'm crawling along, I realize I have no idea where I am. I have no idea which direction I'm facing. I'm lost. Um, and I started to panic a little bit. Started to get a little disoriented because uh, I was—I certainly wasn't going to back my way out of where I had just come from. And even if I did know which direction to go, I couldn't move to get there. I'm stuck. Not, not a very comfortable or happy place at the moment. That came to mind as I was thinking about the disciples and where they find themselves at this point in the gospel and their time with Jesus. Um, they have just been told that there is a traitor in their midst. That's earlier in chapter 13. Uh, Peter, who we hear so confidently, contrary to what he thinks, is not going to stand with Jesus. He's going to deny him three times in very short order. They've just heard again that they can't go where Jesus is going. They've been going everywhere with Jesus for the last three years. So this is disorienting. Not a happy place right now for the disciples. They have plenty of questions. Uncertainty about the future for Jesus. Uncertainty about their own future. So this is what Jesus is speaking into. He's responding to followers who are not confident. Do not have a lot of hope. Disturbed. Troubled at what it is they're hearing. It's a place that disciples of Jesus will often find themselves. Disoriented, confused, troubled in their hearts. There's an uneasiness that keeps us awake at night. On edge, fearful during the day. Maybe that job scenario that you expected is not coming together. The financial picture that you had hoped for that has not arrived. And there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of change on the horizon. Children, grandchildren you have prayed for are making decisions that are hard to watch. Your own body is surprising you in ways that you never thought about are now challenges. Jesus speaks words of comfort and hope here to troubled hearts. But these words are also, also a, a comfort and a hope in times of trial, in times of temptation, uh, when sin is just crouching at the door. The disciples are soon going to turn away from Jesus when he needed them the most, when he needed their love and encouragement and support the most. We will do this today, into this week, with all that the pressure around us. Indwelling sin that wages war within us, we will turn away. We will deny Christ in our own idolatry and sin. And this word from Jesus goes right at the heart of that disturbing truth. But he says, let not your hearts be troubled. It's important for us to see, to hear these words of comfort. The, word, the way is the theme here. In these words, the way of Jesus, 
where he is going, what, what is his destination, and the way that is Jesus. That's our two, two-part focus. The way of Jesus, the way is Jesus. If you listen to contemporary Christian music at all in the 90s, then you remember uh, Audio Adrenaline's Big House. Right? Come and go with me to my Father's house. Come and go with me. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play baseball, I think it was. Um, so this is what Jesus is telling His disciples. Um, this is what they need to remember in the midst of trouble, in the midst of confusion and the opposition that they're going uh, to face. Jesus knows this because it's a part of His own experience. His own heart has been troubled. Just recently at the death of His dear friend Lazarus. It won't be long when He faces the uncertainty and the brutality of the cross. If there is any who should be anxious and fearful and troubled, it's Jesus in these moments. But He knows why He has come. He knows the destination, the purpose is clear for Him. And so as painful as that will be, He still walks in obedience to the Father, shares this word of comfort with His followers. So there is a grand estate, a heavenly dwelling that awaits them. That's where Jesus is headed. He's going on ahead to prepare this place for His disciples, which means that it's already there. It already exists. He's going there to get ready to welcome His followers into this heavenly dwelling. You know, we don't need a best-selling novel. We don't need a movie to tell us that heaven is for real. We don't. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, has told us heaven is real. It's a, a real material place that Jesus is going. It's where He is right now. We think about that. I mean, he's certainly present with us now by His Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that, that indwells us and unites us to Jesus. But His physical resurrected body, like you're seeing all these other bodies around you, is present in heaven at the Father's side. It's from there that Jesus will return and take His followers home. Um, he'll take His followers. That's not exactly what He says. Did you catch that? The message isn't, you know, hang on, I've got this great room all decked out for you, just, just follow Me. You're going to love it. That's not what He says. I will come again and I will take you to Myself. That where I am, you may be also. Church family, the goal, the end game, the finish line is not just a room in heaven. It is with Jesus Himself. This is really what makes heaven heaven. The place where our Savior dwells. Someday He's going to welcome us into His glorious presence. That's our heart's desire. That is what we long for. To know Him fully. To see Him face to face, who we only see dimly now. Jesus goes ahead of His disciples. He goes ahead of us. He has the keys to His Father's estate preparing for our arrival. If you've ever returned home after a long journey, or maybe you've just crawled into the hotel room on a trip, you know how 
pleasant that is. How nice it is to have a room that's ready and prepared for you. For, for the believer, that room is reserved. It doesn't expire. You can't lose it. It's not a temporary rest stop. This is a place of permanent rest and security. And I, don't, I don't even remember who said this now, but it's a beautiful truth that in this very moment, Jesus is preparing heaven for us and preparing us for heaven. Now what does that mean? Exactly, that Jesus is preparing a place. And I think if we follow this trajectory in John's Gospel, the purpose He is showing us through the signs of Christ, the glory of Christ, that all who hear would, would believe, then it seems that the way of Jesus, that the going itself is the preparation. The going itself is what prepares this place. The way of Jesus is through the cross. Resurrection on the third day, ascending to the Father's side. In His prayer, just to come, Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So it's that finished work. That's the preparation that swings open the doors to this heavenly estate. And if Jesus makes this possible, He will ensure that it happens. He will ensure its completion. Not, not one sheep will be lost. He will come for His bride, take her home to Himself. The safety of home, the, the security of home, knowing where we belong. I think it really is amazing how much we think of our um, temporary homes Many of you have moved from one place to the next, or you may have a move in front of you uh, someday. Um, but it's always, it's always on our minds when we know we're, we're moving, right? And we're, we're thinking about it. It's probably the first thing we talk about. Um, we're doing all the research about where it is we're moving to. Yet how little research or interest or conversation surrounds our eternal home and where we will live forever with our King. Place of love, security, safety, kept in heaven for us. As Bishop J.C. Ryle said, home is a place where we are generally loved for our own sakes and not for our gifts or possessions. The place where we are loved to the end, never forgotten and always welcome. Believers are in a strange land and at school in this life. In the life to come, they will be at home. So brothers and sisters, let these words of Jesus stir your thoughts of home. That grand heavenly estate that awaits. And the Savior who has prepared is preparing you to join Him there. There's, there's room for all who look to Him. You think of the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is just as expansive as this estate is. He's made the way into His manifest presence. Jesus is there now, regardless of anything that happens in this world. He's coming for those bound to Him in faith. So let's set our minds on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. But on this journey, we've even acknowledged this in our, uh, in our, our worship thus far. Um, while we wait, we can be no less honest 
about the troubles. Frustration, disappointment, betrayal, temptation that is very real. And Jesus knows this full well. He sympathizes with us. Every one of us. Think of Hebrews chapter 2. Because He Himself has suffered when tempted, He is able to help those who are being tempted. He knows the troubled heart. He knows what your personal temptations are, what your personal struggles are. And this can be hard for us to swallow because, well, He's Jesus. He's God. You know, He's started from a whole different place than we did, so it couldn't have been as hard. But He knows. You know, if he, he was a man, so if, if you are a woman, then how could he possibly understand some of the things that you go through? So as the Creator, He knows all things about men, all things about women, the unique temptations and struggles that they face. But His sympathy is also very well earned. And uh, let me read a little bit by C.S. Lewis to help explain what I mean by that. This is taken from his book, Mere Christianity. He says, no man knows how bad he is until he has tried to be very good. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. This is why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because He was the only man who never yielded to temptation, is also the only one who knows to the full what temptation means. He knows. And and Jesus has the same resources available to Him. The very presence of the Spirit. The very Word of God. The same resources that you and I have available to us in our temptation. In our troubles. He goes before us. Equips us. But He also sympathizes with every challenge. With every care that you face. So let's be real, real about those troubles. Real about the temptations. But just as real about the power of God in Christ. Our hearts will be troubled. They will. But they shouldn't stay troubled. Why? Because we fix our gaze upon Christ. We believe in the power of God and the wisdom of God. The goodness of God. Our hope is, is anchored as we trust in the Father, as we trust in the selfless love of the Son. So the way of Jesus is through the cross to the Father's side, preparing that place for us who follow. And then He tells His disciples, you know the way to where I'm going. Uh, They knew the way because they knew Jesus. They had spent plenty of time with Jesus. But their knowing here is very small. And so it starts leading to more of these questions. The question of of Peter. And we have Thomas again. Thomas willing to stand with Jesus. He's loyal to Jesus, but he seems to, you know, his question is is the the, the collective capturing uh, the doubt of the disciples. Really where their their apprehension is. They're not convinced of where Jesus is going. And so if the destination isn't resolved, well then how can they know the way? It just doesn't make sense. So an answer 
uh, to Thomas's question, they hear word from Jesus. It's been the source of such deep comfort and deep division ever since they were uttered. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that the theme is the way here with the truth and the life, that necessary support. Uh, we said before, looking in places like John chapter 1 or John chapter uh, 5, Jesus is the very self-expression of God. He embodies the supreme revelation of truth. That's Jesus. We've also heard that Jesus is the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the true God of eternal life. 1 John chapter 5. So only because Jesus is the truth and the life can He be the way for His disciples. Can He be the way for you and for me? A way to God and to eternity and glory with Him. So Jesus isn't just going ahead, sort of ahead on the trail, blazing the way on this trail, saying, follow me this way, He is the way. Now we're going to hear from Jesus in the Gospels, "Take take up your cross and follow me. We need to follow Him in obedience. We are to die to self, die to our sin, and live in faithfulness. A faithfulness that will suffer for the name of Christ. But it is not our cross. It is not our death that secures the way. It's not not even our faith. And this is really important because this this is often confused. It's not our faith that secures this dwelling. It is Jesus. It is through His cross. It's given to us, it's appropriated to us by faith, but it is only Jesus, nothing in ourselves, that prepares and secures the way to God. Acts chapter 4, here the apostles are already beginning to suffer for the name of Jesus. And, And Peter has this captive audience now. He says there's salvation in no No one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So this claim of Jesus, an exclusive claim, is already being preached faithfully by those very disciples. But they're not not there yet. They're going to see and continue to see Jesus to the end. Uh, Verse 7 is challenging. It's not clear from the text if this is assumed to be true of the disciples or actually contrary to what is true of them. That's why you have some alternate readings likely in your footnotes there. But the meaning is clear. To know Jesus is to know the Father. No one has seen God in His very essence, but they have seen Him through the Son, through Jesus. And As they come to know Jesus, they can have every confidence that they know the Father. Have a place in his house. So for Jesus, the way back to the Father was through the cross. For the disciples, for you, for me, the way back to the Father is through Jesus himself. Bound to him, united to him by faith. You know how powerful that little article is? The, the. I mean, it changes everything. If Jesus is the way, that means that we're not the way. Or anyone else, or anything else. That little article makes this an exclusive claim, which has caused such division, even on those who 
who may be in the church still, still wrestling with thoughts of Christ, and it, it's produced all that hatred from those outside of the church. To say this, to make this exclusive claim that He's the only way of salvation, it seems so intolerant and judgmental and unloving. And you know what? It would be. It would be those things if it were not true. If it's true, then this is the most important and loving proclamation that can be made. I mean, if this building is on fire just not at the moment. But if it were, and the flames are starting to work their way into the sanctuary, and we have pieces of this structure falling on us, and I know that this is the only way to safety, that this is the only way to freedom, and I don't tell you, I just kind of slip out the side. That's not a loving thing to do. We could argue that that is quite the opposite. So no matter how offensive it may be, and this, the air of relative truth that we're breathing in this time, We must share what we know to be true by the grace of God through His Word. If we're not the the way, Jesus is the way. There's no other religion or practice that is the way. Um, You'll hear that the claim of Christianity, the Gospel message is just one path to eternal security, one path to eternal life, or that all religions lead to God thinking of the omnipresent, omniscient, all-powerful God when I say that. Um, But such a claim is just, it's both arrogant and ignorant. Claiming some superior knowledge, well, they'll all get you there, and some superior knowledge of all worldviews. Actually an excuse for not studying and learning about the differences in these worldviews. Really, it's a cover. It's a protection to serve the God of self. The one who's truly worshipped. The message of all other religions, we just boil this all right down to the bottom line, is that we can make our way to God. We can earn His favor and an audience with Him by our own efforts, by our own deeds. But the Christian knows that it is God who has made His way to us. God the Son comes to us and does what we could never do in gaining an audience. Taking us home to our Heavenly Father. So this I am saying of Jesus has great implications for every one of you, for everyone that you know. We will either reject Jesus or we will worship Him as Savior and Lord. He will be the only way in our hearts or we will find some other way in our sin. This exclusive claim, it demands an exclusive devotion. So he's calling his disciples, he's calling us to faith. This is John's goal in this gospel. Know and believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing, have life in his name. That's why the earliest followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. Are you one of them? Do you know the way? Have you seen in faith the one who is the way to the Father? So under all of those bushes and prickers that were tearing at my snowsuit, scared, disoriented, and then I heard 
a familiar voice. Over here, this way. It was my brother's voice, who was a little smaller than me at the time. And so he could sneak through these little spots. And I could just make out his boot. But that's all I needed. There was, there was a way to safety. I wasn't going to perish there under the snow by following my brother. There was a way. So hear this word of comfort and hope from Jesus for the troubled heart. You know the way. Jesus is the way. And knowing Him is more important than anything that you don't know or anything that you do. It's knowing Him. He knows you. He is preparing a way. He went to the cross for you. And one day very soon, He is coming back for you. So hold on, church. It could be today. It could be today. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that it would be today that You would come for us who look to You in faith. Father, You have bound us to Christ by Your Spirit and we look forward to welcoming Him back. Think about the first Advent that we will soon celebrate. Lord, we long for the second. Whether you call us into your presence before then or we get to see the sky split and the trumpet blast, Lord, we pray that it would be soon. We thank you that you, Lord Jesus, have gone before us. That you have prepared the way through your broken body and shed blood for us. We can have life and life forever with you. Lord, fix our gaze upon you. And we think often of this heavenly estate that is ours. Oh, what a glorious inheritance. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.